Good morning. Welcome to uh, the second in the series. Um, we have uh, is Be Rich. There it is. Um, and it's a three-part series. And the words underneath give you a clue as to we've done the first part, give. We're doing the second part today, serve. And the last part next week is love. My name is Ian. I'm one of the members here at the church. Have been around for five or six years. And um, care teams. Are we happy with care teams? We, we like that idea, care teams? Yeah, we're happy with the care teams? Yeah. Yeah, okay, just, just wondered, just interested to see if you were happy with care teams. Great idea, no problems at all, but it's such a Christian thing. Did you see the end bit? Such a Christian thing. If you want to make a difference today, here's what you could do. You could pray, knock yourself out. But there's much more to it than that. And that's what this service is all about. That's what this series is all about. Absolutely, prayer, very, very important. But also, we cannot do the care team stuff without the money. And last week, Chris introduced us to this whole talk, uh, this whole series of talks of Be Rich. Um, and he spent the last week talking about the idea of giving uh, and the way in which we make a difference through giving. Um, and one of the things he mentioned was the fact that uh, if you are... Uh, have a, if you have a, an income in your family of more than £25,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of earners uh, around the world. And with that earning, with that potential that you've got, comes responsibility as well. And I'd like to suggest that today's talk, which is all about serving, we as a church are in the same position financially as we are with talent as well. Because as a talented church, we have got so much going on for us in the church. We have got so many people in the church who have got so much talent. We've got craftsmen, we've got electronic experts, we've got admin people, we've got uh, armed forces members, we've got teachers, we've got homemakers, we've got medics, we've got emergency services people, and apparently, allegedly, somewhere around, we've even got our own vicar. That's how talented we, have, we are as a church. And with that responsibility, with that wealth of, um, of, of resources, comes responsibility. And that's not just a God thing. Yes, it is in the Bible, but it's not just a God thing. It's, it's, a, it's a thing thing. It's, it's how society works. The society, the people in society with the most are obliged. It's the way we work as a society. It's the responsibility to have to help those people who are less fortunate than ourselves. And I would suggest that this is what is all about serving as well. And we've just heard that, yes, we need to pray, but actually we can't run our care teams without money, and we certainly can't run our care teams without professionals to help us. Um, but we've got to be honest as well. And if we're honest, we have to say that serving requires sacrifice. And I'm, I don't want to sort of gloss over that. In fact, if you um, had a chance to look at the, 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 the video clip that came between my bit and the, um, uh, the, the bit about the, the care team, there was a little bit, sort of an introductory video. Uh, and what it did was it flicked over very, very quickly all the sort of sacrificial bits so we can get to the end where it says serving is actually quite easy. Um, I, I'm not too sure. Just have a look again at, at that video. So all those words that sort of we flick through really, really quickly are real things. And sacrifice is needed if we're going to serve. I know that if you're serving in the church 
And it's not just the church. If you're serving elsewhere around your community, that requires sacrifice. Because if you're doing something for somebody else, you're not doing something for yourself. So what I want to do is I want to start off by looking at this term here, well-being. It's a thing that's, that's very, very popular. Uh, and as a teacher, um, I'm in my deputy head's office, and I know it's really important because I'm invited to probably once a week a well-being course to learn how to look after myself and to look after my staff and to look after my pupils in well-being things. So well-being is obviously very, very important. But I'm not going to talk about my well-being, and I'm not going to talk about your well-being necessarily. I'm going to talk about the well-being of Sam and Samantha. Let me introduce you to Sam and Samantha. Sam and Samantha are um, two fictional people who come to our church. Uh, they're married with two kids, um, and uh, they have jobs. Um, and you know, you know when you go to see a film, um, and you sort of go to the film, and it says, inspired by true events. You know that, yeah? Uh, Sam and Samantha are inspired by true people um, that I know here at the church. So let me tell you about Sam and Samantha. Let me introduce you to them. Um, Sam is a facilities manager. He could be working in the O2, he could be working in the Jubilee Centre in London, he could be working in one of these big, you know, Excel Excel centres in London. Um, He could be working in one of these. And his job, uh, every day he gets up, goes into London, and his job is to make sure, (coughs) excuse me, the conference centre is set up and ready for whatever conference is in on that day. And you can imagine, it's a very, very big job. And on a Sunday, he comes to church, and he serves by making sure all the chairs are set out. You might think that's a little bit mad, okay? You spend your whole week doing it, and then you volunteer to do it in church. But actually, if it wasn't for people like Sam, we wouldn't have places to sit on for our talk this morning. And if you think that's mad, his wife is even slightly madder. His wife, Samantha, is um, a mum. She's a full-time mum to their two children. And um, the children are now at an age where they can go to school or, or, or nursery. So what she's done is to make a, make a bit more money for the family is that she puts them into school or nursery, and then she goes back to her job uh, that she used to do before she became a mum. And she's a primary school teacher. So um, what happens is... Uh, every day she gets up and she looks after her own two kids and she puts them in nursery before looking after 30 other people's kids. Um, And then on a Sunday she comes and she works in FBC Kids. Uh, You've got to be mad to do that. But without those sort of people, this church doesn't work properly. This church doesn't meet its full potential. And it's the well-being of these people that I want us to think a little bit about today. Um, One of the things that used to surprise me about the Bible when I first became a Christian and started reading the Bible, one of the things that used to surprise me was, even though it was written thousands of years ago, it was still, I could still keep finding bits and pieces in the Bible that were totally relevant to what I was going through as I was growing up. And as I got older and older and older, that never changed. Every time I found myself in a situation, I was... Uh, it became less and less surprising because at the end I was expecting it. So it doesn't surprise me at all that there is a load of stuff in the Bible about people's well-being and how we look after other people and how we make sure that their well-being uh, is, is, is kept safe. So what I want to talk to you today is what the Bible has to say about well-being. The other thing that the Bible is um, often accused of is being full of um, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that, thou shalt not do the other. Uh, And today, those two things are coming together, which is why in front of you, as you were coming, you were given a piece of string. Have you got a piece of string? 
this? Okay, so take your piece of string. And what we're going to do is we're going to put four knots in our piece of string. And they're four knots to help you remember how to look after the well-being of others. If you haven't got a bit of string, there's probably some knocking around. Um, there's some at the back, perhaps. We'll, we'll grab some more around. Um, but if not, just grab a piece on the way out and tie the four knots if you can remember it. Um, it used to be, do you remember the days when you used to tie knots in handkerchiefs uh, to remind yourself to do something? Did you, you remember doing that? Time, not now, you know. Was it catch it, bin it, kill it, or something? Just no, no sort of knotted handkerchiefs around. And when we got a bit more, um, uh, a bit more sophisticated, when I was a kid, by the way, I remember something was I'd come in at nights from school and I'd do my normal memory technique, which was, "Mum, can you remind me to do my homework, please?" And that was the way I remember things. Uh, and then you know we got more sophisticated and we got to notes on the fridge door and then. Filofaxes and then palm tops. Yeah, yeah. And now, you know, for most people, everything goes into your phone if you want to remember yourself something. It's interesting, it's now gone a complete circle. Because now, when I want to remember something, I come into my house and I go, Alexa, can you remind me to mark the homework, please? Um, and it's sort of all gone a complete circle, which is quite interesting. But um, we're going to look at four knots uh, as to how we look after the well being of Sam and Samantha. And here's the first knot. The first knot is fear knot. So please take your piece of string and you want to go sort of to the top end if you can do, because otherwise you run out of string. And you're going to tie your first knot in your piece of string. There we go. There's your fear knot. Um, I'll tell you now that the, the verses uh, on the Bible, I'm not going to spend a lot of time looking at the context of the verses that I've given you here. I, I just wanted to make sure you realise that this was not me just making this up. So please, um, when the, the service is finished and you go home, please feel free to look up these uh, verses and, and look at the context in which they were given. Um, but one of the things about fear not as a sort of commandment is it's completely useless. If you are scared of something, the last thing that's going to stop you being scared of something is for someone to tell you, stop being scared. <laughs> it just doesn't work, is it? If you happen to be scared of spiders or rats or whatever it is, to tell, for someone to tell you to stop being scared of spiders and rats just doesn't work. And as a, a human being, we all have the same response to things that scare us. It's the flight or fight dilemma, isn't it? So you, you face with something and you have a choice. You either run away from it or you fight it. So if you're one of these people who is scared of sp spiders, if you are faced with a big hairy spider in the bottom of the bath, you have two choices. Either you run away or you deal with it. Or actually, there's a third option. And the third option is probably the one that most of us go for. You get somebody else to deal with it. That's what we do, isn't it? Um, I've got a friend at school who is, uh, who is absolutely petrified of spiders. And the thought of her dealing with a spider, and it doesn't need to be one of these big, hairy, horrible ones. It could be a tiny little spider. The thought of her dealing with this spider would never happen. If she walks into her office and there's a spider, she's into my office next door at a rate of knots. And her idea of, of helping is to provide the glass and a bit of cardboard, because she doesn't like to kill the spiders. There you go. Deal with that. And that's fine as long as there's somebody else around to help you deal with your fear. And for Sam and Samantha, they are facing fears all the time in their volunteering work in the church. Because one of the things that you fear most is you fear failure. If you set yourself up, if you volunteer to do something, if you set yourself up as the person in the church who's going to do this, to fail is a real problem. And it doesn't surprise me that this verse is nearly always 
or this commandment, this, this instruction, is nearly always followed by this. In the Bible, whenever you look at the command, fear not, there's always a reason why you shouldn't fear. Often, the reason is because, says God, I am with you. Or what follows is another really good reason not to be afraid. Uh, probably the most famous fear not situations in the Bible comes around the Christmas story when the angel appears to Mary. And when the angel appears to Mary, the first thing he says to her is, don't be afraid. And when the shepherds are out watching their flocks by night um, and the angel appears, the first thing the angel says is, fear not. And it's fear not because I'm bringing you some good news. You haven't got to worry about that. And as a Christian, I know that actually not being afraid is an option because God is with me. But it really, really helps if there's a team of people around me as well. Because when you've got a team of people around you as well, it makes it so much easier not to be afraid. Because you are working together towards a certain goal. And if you want to help people like Sam and Samantha, volunteering to help to be part of a team is one of those really important things. And I've got to try and persuade you today that that volunteering, that helping, that serving, that making a difference is worthwhile making those sacrifices. And being part of a team is absolutely one of those. And as soon as you mention the word team, I know we're into sporting analogies. Uh, and that's fine. I can cope with that. You know, I'm a sportsman myself. Uh, and actually, the sporting analogy is really easy. You know, if you're part of a sporting team, you only have one goal. And that goal is to win. Now, I'm a West Ham supporter. I'm not quite sure they've grasp that concept yet, um, but actually it's nice and easy. They have this idea that the goal is to win. And when you become part of a church team, and when you serve on part of the church team, one of the most important things to do is to work out what is the goal of that team. And sometimes that goal is very simple. The goal is to make sure that everybody has somewhere to sit when they come in. Or it's to make sure that everybody can hear the worship songs. Or it's to make sure that the children have a great time and it's a fulfilling time and an enjoyable time. Or it's to make sure that no one leaves the church in the, after, in, the, in the morning thirsty. But being part of that team is a really, really important thing because it helps not only Sam and Samantha to overcome their fears, but actually, one of the, um, the, the, the stated aim of, these, of this church is to help people to make the next step in their faith. And becoming part of a team is one of the ways in which we can do that. We can join in with the others in the team to make sure that we as a church are fulfilling our potential. So serving on a team is a really important thing. But it will also do you a world of good as well. Um, I played football from the age of about 10, I think I was, when I, was, I played my first school team. Um, and I played right up till I was about 40, and I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, and just, just, it was a real shame, because you know, I just loved Saturday afternoons going out and being part of the team. Um, the results, I'd like to say the results didn't matter. The older I got, the less important they became. Um, but by the age of 40, my body just didn't work anymore uh, in, to, that, to that sort of level. So I gave up playing football in a team. Um, and after about a week of giving up, I'm thinking, I can't do Saturday afternoons not going out. So I became a referee. Uh, and being a referee is a bit of a strange one because <clears throat> when you turn up to being a referee, it's, you're no longer part of a team. 
It's really weird. And I thought this would, you know, the, the, the idea of being a referee, I'd be around all these people, but it's you against the world. It really is. It's you against the 22 other players. The number of times, um, the number of times I referee and people disagree with my decision. Every time I make a decision, half the team, half the people there disagree. Uh, it's, you make a decision, go, free kick, and I go, no, it's not. And all of you go, oh, great decision, ref. No, it's not. And not only is it half the players in there, it's also the crowd is divided into two immediately as well. And the managers are divided in two. And everybody seemed, it seems to be me against the world. And you get to the point where, I mean, even kids football. Kids football is the worst. I've given up kids football completely. I don't mind the kids. It's the parents. The parents are a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Because it's me against the world. Every time I make a decision, someone is, giving, is having a go at me. And... It got to the point where I was scared to make a decision. And yet I'm told to fear not. And I'll tell you how I overcame it. I became a better referee. I trained and I trained and I trained. And I don't think my decisions are any better than they were. But what I've got now is I'm a referee at a certain level so that I never go out on my own. There's three of us. There's a referee and two assistant referees. And sometimes if I've done really well, I even get a fourth official as well. I'm not good enough to have VAR people as well. I'm not that good. But, but having a team around me makes a huge difference. And what it means is it means I don't have to be afraid. First instruction then is to fear not. Here's the second one. A scruffy piece of string walks into the baker's. He says to the baker... I'd like a loaf of bread. And the baker says, you're a scruffy piece of string. A scruffy piece of string says, nope, I'm afraid not. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the, sec the second one is fret not. Okay? It's not to get stressed out. It's not to get worried. It's not to get concerned. You know, scruffy, um, sort of distressed. It's that sort of feeling. It's... Chill out, as one pupil told me just once. Mr. V, take a chill pill. And I only said it once, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that sort of thing. It's this idea of not getting stressed. So take your, take your piece of string and tie yourself a fret knot. There we go. Fret knot. Fear not, fret not. It's trying not to get too stressed out. And interestingly, the, um, <coughs> the verse here says, fear not. Or fret not, sorry, it only leads to evil. It's that time where you sort of lose control of your, of your you're so stressed out, you don't really know what you're doing. Uh, and if you want to know the, uh, the uh, causes of stress, I was Googling this and came across a, a site called um, WebMD, and I'm guessing the MD stands for medical, whatever it says, um, MD. But they listed as their top reasons for stress being unhappy in your job having a heavy workload or too much responsibility, and for working too long hours. Those were their top reasons for stress. And if we're thinking about Sam and Samantha, the interesting thing about Sam and Samantha is we can remove that stress from them simply by helping out. If you're working with a team around you, those three things are completely alleviated by having enough people to do those things. And it's this idea of being you know, stressed out because you don't have a team of people working with you. You don't have that team of people who are sharing the goal. And if we want to help Sam and Samantha out by serving, that's how we make a difference to them. One of the things about being a teacher is 
Being a teacher is a fairly stressful job, apparently. I love it. I think it's great. Um, but I do recognise certain pieces of, 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 of uh, situations where it is stressful. And um, before I did this job as a deputy head, I was a, a head of a maths department. Um, and we had a great maths department. It was probably one of the most enjoyable times teaching-wise. Uh, it was in the middle of London, you know, big, comprehensive, as, as tough as you can get. Um, but we had a, a team of people that were really, really great to work with as our maths team. Uh, and we, the reason we were a good team, two reasons. One, every Friday afternoon at lunchtime, we stopped. We made a decision that as a department, we were not going to do anything over Friday lunchtime. Uh, for the rest of the week, we'd help out, we'd run detentions, we'd run maths club, we'd run uh, drop-in centres, we'd help out with football teams, we'd do all sorts of bits and pieces. But on a Friday afternoon, we would do nothing for the school. The whole department would go to the Greasy Spoon restaurant just down the road and we'd have lunch together and talk about nothing to do with school. And that was great. Um, and the other thing that made the team so successful was this. We recognised the most stressful part of the job. And the most stressful part of any teacher's job, I'll tell you this now, is when you are observed by somebody else. Being less an observation. And if, if, if your friend who you teach with comes in and watches you, that's bad enough. If someone from the senior management team comes in and watches you teach a lesson, that's really bad. And when you get inspected on Ofsted, the moment the Ofsted inspector walks through the door, that's major stress. And what we decided to do was this. We decided that we would plan all of our lessons together, collaboratively. It took ages. It took absolutely ages. But what it meant was, whenever anyone came in to watch a lesson, they weren't watching my lesson. They were watching our lesson. And if they didn't like it, tough because it wasn't my lesson. You can't have a go at me. You have to have a go at a whole department. And that sharing of the responsibility took so much of the stress away. It was really important. And for Sam and Samantha, if you can join their team, that's what takes an awful lot of the stress away. So there's our second knot. Our second knot is fret knot. Here's our third knot. Our third knot is Faint not. Are you getting the point that they all begin with F? Took me a long time to get them all to begin with F. It's a little bit contrived, but it doesn't matter. Um, see if you can tie your third knot. I suppose if you uh, want to update this one, it's um, don't allow yourself to get burnt out. Don't give up. Don't sort of suddenly stop halfway through the, through the job. Uh, and the, the thing about it is, is that for Sam and Samantha, I can completely understand that being burnt out and giving up and, and not, not being able to complete the task that they volunteered for is due to the fact of the first two Fs. If they're scared of failing and no one's around to help them, or if they're completely stressed out by being overworked because there's no one there to be part of the team, that's the thing that causes the faint knot. There's a lovely story about a, uh, <coughs> a farmer driving along the road, and uh, he's got his tractor, and he's got a completely empty trailer behind him. Uh, and he's driving along, and it's a very, very hot day, but he's not worried, because he's just sitting there you know, with his foot and accelerator. And he's going along this country road, and he comes to a massive hill, really, really big, long hill. And um, it doesn't phase him at all, because he knows the tractor will cope with this dead easy. And he starts up the hill, and as he starts up the hill, he passes um, a hiker, or a walker, or a rambler. Uh, and this rambler is looking quite distressed because it's very, very hot day and the rambler's got a massive big backpack on. So the farmer stops and the farmer says to the, to the rambler, would you like a lift up the hill? And the rambler says, oh yes please mate, thanks. He says, jump in the trailer and I'll take you up the hill. So he looks around the bloke, jumps in the trailer and the 
The farmer drives up the hill. And after about 10 minutes, quarter of an hour going up this hill, massive long hill, gets to the very top. And he turns around and he's surprised to see that the rambler is still sweating buckets. And, in, and the reason he's sweating buckets is because he's standing up and he's still got this massive rucksack on. And the farmer turns around and said, well, why didn't you take the rucksack off? And the man said, oh, I didn't want to put extra weight on your trailer. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes we need to learn to accept the help that we're offered. Um, the writer of this verse says this, Faint not. Those who hope in the Lord will not faint. Now, I agree with that, and I think that's absolutely true. Um, but I think it's a little bit sad that the writer wasn't able to say, those who hope in their help from their friends, from the people around them, for the rest of their... Because he's not naive. He knows that God will never let us down. But he also knows that actually, sometimes when we rely on the help of others, it's not always there. But in order to help Sam and Samantha out, what you need to be doing is you need to be joining the teams to serve and being prepared to serve for their well-being, as well as your own richness as well. So let's have a quick recap for the moment. If you want to do something as a result of what I've said so far before I get to the final F not, um, volunteer. Go to the FBC uh, um, next table outside uh, and find a way of volunteering. Or we have a community action day on the 29th of March. Um, if you want to find out what it's like to be part of the team where the whole church works together uh, for, the, for the, the local community, then come and join that and experience that. Um, but at least think about it. If you go to fbcnext.com forward slash my next step, there's a whole load of resources to help you think about giving and serving and loving. And there's, some, you know, there's, there's three practical things you can do there before we get to the final knot. So let's get to our final knot. And our final knot is this one. Find your piece of string and uh, tie your final knot. The final knot is forget not. There we go. So we've got... Fear not, fret not, faint not, forget not. And the forget not story comes from um, a bit of the Bible. Uh, it's the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua's in the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament. And um, Joshua's one of my favorite, favorite characters in the Bible. And, and Joshua is so good, he gets his own book named after him. It's a story about Joshua called Joshua. And it's not many people in the Bible who get that. Uh, even the, the leader of the people of Israel, God's people, before Joshua was Moses. And even Moses doesn't get his own book named after him. He gets, you know, he gets Exodus because it's, it's the big thing he does. You know, it's let my people go. It's all that sort of stuff. And it's Red Sea business. And, and, and we've got the story of Moses. And then we've got the story of Joshua. And after Joshua, who was a great leader, um, comes the book of Judges. <coughs> and Judges is another book about leaders of people of Israel. Um, but these leaders aren't quite as good as, as Joshua. Joshua does lots of really good things. These leaders are not quite as impressive. But it's a very good book. It's a really good book. Um, and uh, there's sort of seven stories about seven different leaders. And I remember sitting in a church service once. Uh, and this, one of the reasons this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because I discovered this one for myself. Uh, I was sitting in a church service once. Uh, and I'm, I'll be honest, the, the person doing the preaching was a little bit boring. Um, but he said something that piqued my interest. And while he was sitting there, while he was talking, I was going through my Bible, flicking through my Bible, and I came across this sort of little story. And I looked at it and went, wow, that's awesome. 
So let me share this story with you. At the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua is coming to the end of his, um, his ministry. He's coming to the end of his leadership. He's getting quite old. Uh, and he stands up in front of the people of Israel, uh, God's people. And he says to them, okay, guys, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming towards the end of my life. Uh, this is what I've done. He said, me and my house, we've served the Lord. And he said, what God wants you to do is God wants you to do exactly the same. He wants you to serve God. That's the one thing. It's, you know, just serve God. That's what he wants you to do. And if you do that, everything else will be fine. Are you okay with that? And the people went, yes, Joshua, we'll do that. And what comes next is this. It's almost a, a pantomimic, if that's a word. Um, it's almost like a pantomime. Joshua says, will you do it? And the people say, yes, we will. And Joshua goes, no, you won't. <laughs> and the people go, yes, we will. And Joshua goes, no, you won't. You're not big and brave enough and strong enough. Yes, we are. We'll do it. Um, and, and I read this, and I knew, because you know, I've been a Christian for a while, I knew what happened next in the book of Judges. You see, the book of Judges is all about the people of Israel not serving God and finding themselves in all sorts of trouble as a result of not serving God and God raising up one of these judges, one of these leaders, to get them out of the trouble. And then they do it again, they do it again, they do it again, they do it again. And I thought to myself, what is it that happens between the point where Joshua says, you can't do it, and the people are going, yes, we can. And it's about a chapter and a half later when they find themselves in real trouble. And here is the answer. The answer is this. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. And that's what happened. What happened was a whole generation grew up and no one told them, no one bothered to remind them of all the things that God had done for them and all the reasons why they should be serving God and all the reasons to trust God. They grew up and no one had bothered telling them. And if you want another job to volunteer for, go and volunteer for our youth and children's work because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure our youth and children grow up knowing what God is capable of, knowing why we should be serving. So let's just sum this up. You've got four knots there. Do not be afraid. And the Bible says, God says, you don't need to be afraid because I will be with you. Relax. Chill out. Don't worry about things because, says God, I will take some of the load off you. Don't give up says God. I'll offer support. I'll offer help. And don't forget, remember, I can be counted on. And that's what those four knots are there to remind you of. Now, if you have a problem with those four knots, because this is too big a thing to take round with you, you can do this. Just um, hold the top knot. Just take your piece of string, hold the top knot. And just sort of um, pull that top knot off, if, if that would help a bit. Um, and then what you can do is having taken all the knots off. You can, just, you can just carry the knots around with you. So there's the, um, there's the fear knot, and there's the fret knot, and there's the faint knot, and there's the forget knot, if that would help you to take those around with you. The interesting thing is, what that's left you with is it's left you with one straight letter I. And the interesting thing of me is, is that all of these are promises from God. What happens if instead of promises from God, they're commitments from us? That we commit 
to help other people, that we commit to serve, that we commit to support those who have already committed their own lives to serving. And it doesn't matter whether it's serving here in the church, it's people who are serving outside the church, who are making our society a better place. We have a responsibility to support those people because that's when you begin to appreciate the richness of serving. It's when we as a church become a richer church. It's when our society becomes a richer society. When the promises that God made are picked up by us and I become the one who is willing to serve.